because this is our number 50 event, the Love and Hate Fest. Yes, very exciting, if only because of the fact that it took us so long to organize it. And uh, I'm very happy that all you were able to come out here and join us because we have a very interesting uh, lineup of people who are going to be sharing their own personal loves and hates about life in the Mile High City. We have Eric Isle, music critic for the Denver Post. He's going to have five minutes of love for local music. There's also comedian Andrew Orbital, who is going to wax hateful on something called the Denver Shuffle. And local food writers Kelsey Blackwell and Kathleen St. John are going to break down some love hates on the Denver Boulder food scene. And finally, Ron Doyle and Erica Grossman will be dealing with the question, why does Denver's web culture suck? So, Let's get uh, let's get straight to some uh, live podcast action. Uh, everyone, give a hand for Andrew o- Overdahl, and he's going to come up here and do some hate for us. I've never been inter- introduced like that, and I hope I never get introduced like that again. He's going to come up here and do some hate for you. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me. <laughs> just come up here and just feel horrible right off the bat. Um, I am going to talk about something I hate. Uh, although there's a lot of things I love about Denver. I grew up in Denver, so I was tempted to to talk about things I like. But this is something I hate so much. I have to talk about it. I call it the Denver Shuffle. And the uh, the Denver Shuffle is when a person, and it's a very specific type of person, they're in that like narrow gray area between homeless and just like really down on their luck. Basically, they would be best described as where you would draw the line at when you would let a stranger borrow your cell phone. It's that person, that specific type of person, and they decide to cross the street at a random point, never with the benefit of a crosswalk or stop sign or street light, and they just sort of cross the street at a random point, and they don't go straight across very rarely. They just sort of take take off on like a, the most diagonal path possible with this sort of like ambling shuffle. And it's, but there's like a little bit of like smug like cockiness to it because you're like, you had to slow down in your car or you have stopped in your car and you're waiting for them and they like kind of go by and then they give you this look like, yeah, I'm crossing the fucking street as random as possible. What are you going to do about it? You're going to hit me or something? And you're sitting there in your car and you're like, yeah, I could hit you. Like, and probably accidentally kill you and get away with it because you're in the middle of Colfax going diagonally across the street. Um, So (laughs) they just sort of amble along. And then if if you make the mistake of like honking or like showing your displeasure at the pace that they're crossing the street, that's like the worst thing you can do because they'll either walk slower or they'll just stop and be like, what? You know, then they're like, they want to fight. Like that was apparently... It was just like a bait for a fight the whole time anyway. They're just like, oh, yeah, no, this is what I wanted actually all along was to get in a fight with you in the middle of the street. Um, so the hot tip, just let it ru- just let it go. 
Just sit there, endure it, you know, take out your phone, send some texts or tweets or something. Uh, and then when they're done, you know, seven minutes later, when they've crossed the street, you can resume driving. But, like, the thing that I always wonder about it is maybe this person has made so many bad decisions in their life that the literally the only way they have to recapture a sense of, like, pride and their self-esteem is to randomly cross the street in front of cars. Like, that's as good as it gets for them. Like, yeah, who's affecting change in the world now, you fucking asshole? Like, <laughs> and they just sort of, like, slowly go across the street. That's what I think. Like, that has to be... Like, the motive for that is is to sort of recapture their place in the world in the worst way possible. So that was my rant. Um, and then I have a really quick, really short rant that I remembered on the way down here. Um, Denver Cruiser Ride, learn how to ride your fucking bikes drunk, the end. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I lost the mic stand. It's over here. Thank you, uh, Andrew. Uh, he also, Andrew also uh, runs the... Uh, uh, event the narrators which is a really cool spoken word event filled with people telling stories uh maybe not quite as hateful as the stuff that andrew laid down but <laughs> almost almost as good that goes on at uh, paris on the plat and he also is headlining comedy works on november 9th and so while we uh get our next panel up on food uh i the, you know the the uh the hate that andrew had about the Denver Shuffle reminds me of one of the hates that, or actually one of the loves that I had about the Barnes dance. Anyone familiar with that? It was the lights that allowed you to cross diagonally across a street, and the uh, they did away with it. And I was I was really angry that that went away, and I got made fun of. And then the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation called me up and had me on their radio show <laughs> to talk about the Barnes dance. So that was that was something. I, did, I, 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 I didn't save it, so I might have to uphold the Denver Shuffle because of that. And so, okay, let's bring up our next panelist uh, group. It is going to be uh, moderating it is Vanessa Martinez, uh, one of our co-hosts on the Denver Diatribe. And it, Kelsey Blackwell is the senior editor of Natural Foods Merchandiser and New Hope 360, based in Boulder, where she writes a lot about food. And Kathleen St. John, who writes the strange lunch column for the Onion AV Club. So uh, everyone give them a hand. I'm going to try and stay out of the way on this one too much, but um, we've been talking about, you know, kind of the, what's the difference between Denver and Boulder food culture, who's better, it's kind of a tired um, discussion, so we came up with something a little bit different, um, and we are going to um, talk about, is Boulder or Denver more innovative or creative with their food? Go. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm a little intimidated because I see that my opponent here has a bunch of notes. <laughs> and I'm just going to kind of talk off the cuff. So Boulder food scene, I've lived in Boulder, you know, a couple years. Um, if I do leave the Boulder bubble, <clears throat> rarely, uh, it might be to go eat in Denver. So, you know, Denver's got some things going for it. But if I'm going to talk about Boulder, there's a lot of things that I think make Boulder better than Denver. I could talk about, you know, our emphasis on local ingredients and organic ingredients. 
uh, Frasca Food and Wine is there, which is Colorado's most acclaimed restaurant. We were also voted the foodiest town by Bon Appetit magazine. Uh, I don't know that I particularly agree with the term foodie-ist, but I do respect uh, Bon Appetit magazine. But I'm not going to talk about those things, because that stuff is old news, and I want to talk about new new news, things that you haven't heard. Um, So before I get to that, though, I mean, I think Boulder gets kind of deemed for two things. One, uh, the food can be, you know, sometimes it's overpriced, I'll admit it, Uh, and also... Boulderites can be a little smug sometimes. Um, just a little, just a little. So I want to paint a better picture for you, um, and I'm going to do it with two words, tater tots. Okay, so in full honesty, I am not a tater tot connoisseur. I did not grow up eating tater tots. In fact, when tater tots were served during my elementary school lunch session, I would usually trade them for something better like pixie sticks or (laughs) sweet tarts, something that was, you know, tots just didn't have any allure for me. Uh, But my boyfriend has a different experience. Uh, He's a Pennsylvanian and is more fond of tots. I don't know what his history is, but maybe we can get him up here to talk about that later. (laughs) But we were at, uh, at Jill's, which is a restaurant that's part of the St. Julian um, and he saw the tots in the menu and, and went for them. I didn't necessarily agree with this choice, but my life has been changed ever since that day because what arrived was a tot like none other I have ever experienced. Uh, first of all, it's, it's, sh- it's shaped like a cube rather than a cylinder, and inside was something with the consistency of a Robichon potato. Now, Joel Robichon is noted, a noted French chef, uh, particularly for his velvety, creamy mashed potatoes. So imagine, if you will, a velvety, creamy mashed potato, cube-shaped and deep-fried. But it gets better (laughs) because they top these tater tots with a truffled aioli. Now, truffle is something, again, that I think has had its time in the sun, and I'm happy for it to move to the shade. But in this particular application, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. On top of that, these potatoes are only $3 if you go during happy hour, which is when I eat in Boulder. Because if it's not, I mean, it's expensive. Kelsey, you, how, many, how many do you get? Okay, like so you, three? no, no, <laughs> no. Here's the thing: the potatoes are so rich, I could usually only eat three of them. It's a decadent treat, but you get six, which is not bad. You know, it's enough to share. So, um, so affordable dining, and the greatest thing about Jill's in the Julian is that it's a happy hour that nobody knows about. So. If you're not into Boulderites, you can go to Jill's, and there's rarely anyone there. And everything is half price. So I can go on, but I, I want to give my, my opponent some time to speak. Well, I think you just summed up what a lot of Denver people can't stand about Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You take something as perfect and simple and nostalgic as a tater tot, and you turn it into this, like, frou-frou dining experience. <laughs> and it's like, you just want a tater tot. 
And if you want good tater tots, you should go to Jonesy's Eat Bar yeah. or yeah. the Stingray Lounge where they have excellent old school tater tots. You, I don't know if you might not like them. You might exchange them for I might trade them pizza. for sweet tarts. I don't know. They have good pizza too. No sweet tarts. But they put bacon and cheese on them, and it's like the greatest tater tot yeah. ever. And I would wager it's probably $3 for like 12 of them. I wonder if we're having a tater tot off right now. Maybe. <laughs> the conversation has, has devolved. Yeah. Well, what, well, let's hear about what, what, what more does Denver have to make us really love? I mean, besides tater tots. Some I mean, are. <laughs> Subpar tater tots. Um, <laughs> I guess the problem is that it kind of depends on what you're de- what you're talking about when it comes to Boulder versus Denver food. I mean, if you're thinking of like nationwide recognition for a scene, I kind of got ahead and hand it to Boulder because you know they've been doing a lot of stuff that's popular for a really long time now. Like they've been ahead of the game as far as like sustainable food and all that for you know years. But where I think Denver is far better is that you can get almost any kind of food that you want almost anywhere in town for a reasonable price, and it's probably going to taste as good or better as something you could get in Boulder where they're just fancying up something that is already perfect. <laughs> now, I'm not necessarily talking about tater tots, but you know you can get a bowl of pho at some place on Federal for like 5.25, and it's more pho than you can eat. Or you can go to a place in Boulder where they serve you pho in quotation marks, but it's also got all, like quail's eggs and I don't know, all sorts of <laughs> stuff in it. Which is good if you're eating like Japanese food, but they try to mix it all up with everything. And it's like, I just want a bowl of beef soup with like crappy beef in it. And you know, like, it's just, <laughs> I love I love Boulder. I just, I can't afford to eat there. and I'm But I'm glad they're doing what they're doing because it's also trickling down to Boulder. I think I just read, or to Denver, that the kitchen is opening up a, an outpost here in Denver, and the kitchen's good. So, so yeah. I want to take you on a, a, a Boulder <laughs> eating tour. Yeah. Okay. And here's the cool thing. We are going to walk or ride our bikes at, to each location. So you can drink as much as you want. Without fear, because I have a couch that's not far away. Okay. (laughs) And we're going to eat dinner for under $15. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to start at Jill's with with the fancy enough tater tots, which I think once you try, you'll realize why there will be a tater tot revolution. You will write about it in The Onion, and it will spread (laughs) to all of your other affiliate onions. I mean, I don't know, but they're really good. So we'll start there, and then... We'll go, we'll ride our bikes or walk to Zoe Mama, which is... Oh, I've been there. That place is good. That place is awesome. What makes it so good? What is it, please? It's kind of like Chinese and like Taiwanese street food, right? It's street food, and it also has a really good story because it's run by this little old Chinese woman who is always wearing like a flower hat. And every time I see her, she acts like she recognizes me, but I really don't think she does. But I, I go along with it. But she was retired, and she was bored, and asked her son to open a restaurant for her. And I don't know what he does, but he was able to buy a location off of Pearl Street. And uh, it's really small, but she does wonderful street food, noodles, the best sweet and sour soup I have had, probably this side of the Mississippi. I don't know what's east of the Mississippi, but it's really good. Um, but I don't go there for that. I go for the bao, which are um, Chinese steamed buns that are filled with pork. And 
I lived in Chicago. I've eaten at restaurants that only serve bao, and I think hers match or surpass those that I've seen in bigger cities because she's really putting so much time and love into the food she prepares. And not only that, but like the sauces that are served with the bao. Let's get back to Denver real wonderful. quick. <laughs> real quick. Let's go real back quick. to Denver because I want we're going to run out of time here and I need to know what is happening in Denver that everybody does. Okay, so Kathleen, where's the innovation in Denver? Where do we need to go? What do we need to know about here? If we want to be experimental eaters, where do we go in Denver? Um, I mean, Boulder's winning right now. I know it is. I can't, I can't stop the boulder. Um, you're getting pulled over by boulder. I'm like Indiana Jones. Um, I mean, pretty much like any place. I mean, all the all the big names are really where it's at here in Denver. Like the Frank, well, the Frank Bonanos, the the Fruition, and Table Six is one of my favorites because they're always just doing weird stuff. Um, John, help me out here. <laughs> like Sushi Sasa, Sushi Den are like my two favorite sushi places that are always doing strange and odd things. Well, you, you could throw, I mean, even like Biker Jim's in there. That's cool. Well, Biker yeah. Jim's. Everyone yeah. knows Biker Jim. He's the best. What about some of the, uh, the uh, on the ethnic food level? We've kind of established that Denver, uh, okay, so Boulder has some ethnic food, yes, and they do some, but they do it well. But Denver is kind of wins in this area usually, so. I think so. Some of the places maybe that we could go to now in Denver that would show us um, this creativity. Almost any happening. place you can go, you can like cruise up and down Federal Boulevard, hit almost anywhere and you're good. My favorite tie is Jay's Noodles on Federal Boulevard. And right next door to it is Fuzzwee, which is my favorite pho place. Um, there's taco trucks all up and down. I mean, screw this like food truck trends. Like these guys have been doing it for like 25 years, and they serve some great stuff. They also serve there's like pupusa trucks and everything. And also Aurora, I feel like is sort of an untouched place at the moment. Like, cause a lot of people are like scared of it, but Aurora is scary sometimes. Yeah, but anyway, there's great food there. Let's talk. Okay, one last question. Foodie, bad, good. One, one word, and then we don't have any more time. Foodie, should it be retired? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's over. It's like E-V-O-O, -O, Rachel Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. Her yeah. show, Foodie, and E-V-O-O, -O, gone. Please, Denver food writers and everybody else, stop using it now. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
that's good. So that's the, that's the morning clouds. Uh, the morning clouds you can see in Denver tomorrow night at Three Kings Tavern with a band called Spires who are also very cool and also kind of that kind of sound. You might call it shoegaze. It's a beautiful reverb-drenched goodness. Go ahead and play the next one. Cool. So that's a, that's a band called Abel Archer. Uh, Abel Archer's been playing around Denver for a while, but they suddenly just got really freaking good with their last record. Um, they do this sort of mathy, heavy rock. They're playing at the Walnut Room tomorrow night also. So you'd have to choose between the Morning Clouds and Abel Archer or this next one. So that's actually a remix by a, a local guy named DJ Ishii, uh, a guy named Nate Ishii. He does amazing uh, music, mostly in the electronic dubstep, electro, that kind of stuff. Uh, he's remixing a guy named Joe Man, Joey Mancuso, in that track. You can see him tomorrow night doing Dubstep Planet at the Oriental Theater. Uh, and there's, I think I'm going to move on to Friday night now, so go ahead and play the next one. That's Tin Horn Prayer. Uh, it's a bunch of guys who used to be in a bunch of hardcore bands, including a band called Blackout Pact, which some of you may have heard of. Um, and they, they now make this sort of Americana-y punk that has banjos and stuff. And they're playing tomorrow night, uh, sorry, Friday night at the High Dive. Um, totally different, right? So let's hear, again, a total switch. Well, it's too Oh, I should be sleeping and dreaming of you but it's too right on so that's that's the hollifelds just some real classic old school kind of country right um they're playing tomorrow night at the uh, sorry friday night at the soil dove um, so you can hear, you could hear electronic, you could hear dubstep, you could hear country, uh, or you could hear this. Sometimes I feel like I'm going in circles! Constantly orbiting... Yeah, so that's, a, that's a band called Fire in the Asylum. They're playing with another great metal band called Low Gravity. Fire in the si Asylum actually moved here from L.A. because they thought Denver was cooler. Um... So they're, play they're playing Friday night at Bender's. Uh, last one I'm going to talk about is this one. Most people don't know that Denver has a really good hip-hop scene. And this is, a, this is one, of their, one of those sort of up-and-coming artists in the hip-hop scene in Denver called Mr. Poetic. Uh, and he's doing his CD release on Friday night at the Summit Music Hall. So with all of that, I think you can see why I love Denver music. Thanks. Okay, thank you. That was Eric Isle, music critic. Read a lot of his uh, stuff every single week at heyreverb.com. And so this brings us up to our 
our, our final panel before we're actually going to have a, an open mic where anybody in the room can get up and share a spontaneous love or hate at our microphone here. So at our uh, panel right now, we're going to have Joel Warner, one of the original co-hosts of the Diatribe, coming up here. And they're gonna be, he's going to be talking with Ron Doyle, a uh, local freelance writer, web developer, uh, and uh, man about town. And Erica Grossman, uh, the uh, editor. What's her job at these days? Communications. Communications manager. Okay, let's give him a hand. Okay, before we get started, can... So... I've actually listened to all 50 episodes, so this is very exciting. Whoa. I know. All right. I'm, the, I'm, Ron that, gets the lifetime achievement I'm that guy. I'm that guy. So <laughs> we're here to talk about why the Denver web scene sucks. And I have to say, uh, the best exhibit of that has to be this room right now. I have no, no offense to the folks who are in here, but I mean, this is the web event at least of the past two or three years. This is the 50th episode <laughs> of Denver Diatribe. Right. This is this is this is news. It's an event, and we have what what like 15, 16 people. This should be out the fucking door for us from five. So clearly, it's not the problem of Denver Diatribe. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> has to be something wrong with Denver's web scene. So, Ron, what is wrong with Denver's web scene, Ron? If you can't ride it, eat it, drink it, or smoke it, Denver doesn't care about it. <laughs> So what, what else is there? <laughs> uh, throw it. Why do we even care about that? Yeah, you we, can we hike up it, or, or hike up it. And then ski back right. down. I, well, I think I think all the things that really make Denver's web scene so terrible. Uh, the reason why Denver's web scene sucks is because our real culture rocks. Uh, we have too much to do. We don't bother ourselves with the web. Really. <laughs> Yay, yay Denver's athletic scene. Good for that. Okay, now Erica. Well, I would say for those out there that are at least good at promoting their own events for Denver's web scene, I mean, I know you guys have done a really great job at getting a oh, lot ouch. of people oh. in here today. Um, wow. Everybody's there are heard more about people it. here than we I thought mean, actually you, listened you, to the you podcast, You guys have a, right? a lot of followers on Twitter, I know. Um, Whoa. This isn't why the Denver Diatribe sucks. I think you got the wrong notes. It's not why the Denver Diatribe sucks. No. Web scene. Web scene. I love, I love Denver Diatribe. Focus, Diatribes. focus. Um, I, I, I don't think it sucks. I, I think that we have, we have a lot of, you know, great blogs out there. We've got a decent scene. We have really... I want some examples. Well, we have Beyond really Denver Diatribe. <laughs> Beyond Denver Diatribe. <laughs> Other than the best podcast in town. Oh, see, now you're As Westward yeah, now, now pointed you're out last yeah. year. Um, well, the fact, for one, that nepotism, we even have... Right, on right. right. Um, the fact that we even have a web award, at least by, by some uh, publication in town, I think is at least indicative that there's enough out there for us at least to compete with one another. So who should be winning those awards? Who should... Who this, is, this is the hard... T- this is really the hard part for me. Okay, first of all, confession... Out of my waking hours, I probably spend the majority of my time on the internet. I'm a web guy, so that's what I do. And yet, when I went to go vote in the this year's Westward uh, Web Awards, I had to go to Google to f- answer some of the spaces. I'm like, I have no idea what the best. I I, I don't know. I mean, I 
I put Denver Diatribe down for you. I voted. Absolutely, definitely. Uh, I put down One Track Mind, uh, which is a great music podcast in town, uh, and and a couple of others. But I really had a hard time naming these things. Whereas if I were doing this for another city, I could probably fill in all those blanks. And that's tricky for me. Like what city, though? What city? New York. I'll admit it's New York. York. Fuck New York, I know. London, New York. I mean, come on. Like, but, what, what city that's at least comparable in our population size? I mean, I, I don't think I could do it for Austin, but I know I could do it for New York. And the hard part for me, I mean, really we have to get into the discussion about what, what the hell is web culture in the first place. I mean, I really, if you're, if you're going to say that web culture sucks, you're sort of saying that our culture in general sucks. Because really the web, at least here in Colorado and in Denver, is is not a piece of culture, but it's a tool that we use. If you're if you're talking about an ancient civilization, you're not looking at the civilization and saying, oh, they were a clay pot culture. No, they were a culture that used a clay pot. The web is the fucking clay <laughs> pot, people. The web is not some giant roaming the hillside. We are the web. <laughs> Sorry, I just quoted most stuff there, didn't I? All right, and moving along. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the really the big question here. So, I mean, yes, I do think Denver's web culture sucks, but maybe it's just that web culture in general sucks. Do you think that Denver sucks? Is that what no, you're I I think Denver personally, I think Denver rocks. And if I had if I had to make one argument, and frankly, I, Eric and I have been talking behind the scenes, and I've been like, tell them about this really cool person on Twitter. <laughs> tell them about Redhead Writing and and Zaibatsu, whoever the fuck that is. That's that's what I've been sort of feeding her ideas because I do think it rocks. But if I had to argue that it doesn't, it's because Denver doesn't care. Uh, I mean, if you look so you at think it's a good well, okay. thing that the web scene sucks, Ron. Yeah, it keeps us who we are. We're independent individuals that don't need the web. Denver cares a little bit, though. I mean, I go to the Denver tweet ups and. Those have raised thousands upon thousands of dollars for charities all across the city. What are Denver tweet-ups? I don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Help us, Eric. (laughs) There's a a Denver tweet-up, which is where people from the internet go to meet up in real life. I like you use quotes around the internet there. The internet with quotes. As opposed to the other internet. Right, right, right. Okay. Be clear. But... But then we all kind of stand around on our phones the whole time anyway, <laughs> tweeting. Tweeting um, about how you have to tweet up? Right, right, oh, right. Um, no, but, but, but it's a chance for people that have gotten to know one another on Twitter and have promoted one another um, online to, to meet up in a bar, have some drinks, get to know one each other on a more personal level, and also at the same time, uh, raise money for various charities around town. I believe um, Alan Klosowski... Um, the big Klosowski on yeah, Twitter on is Twitter. awesome. I, I, I'm pretty sure he heads up most of those. There's actually one uh, on Friday um, that you guys can look up. If you just hashtag Denver Tweet Up, you should be able to find it. Um, but, I, I mean, I feel like the, those the fact that we're able to at least raise money for charity based on our online community says a little bit to the fact that our web culture doesn't completely suck. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's true. I mean, but if you look at if you look at stats, I was looking at Alexa's, Alexa web stats today, and I was looking at, uh, I was comparing, Alexa is sort of like the Nielsen rating system of the internet, and I was looking at 5280.com. You know, 5280 is definitely a cultural uh, force here in town, and I was looking at westward.com, and I was looking at their rankings on the snow.com, a website that is dedicated exclusively to putting out snow reports has a higher ranking than our top two publications in town. That's, I mean, that's really, 
that sums it up for me. We do use the web here in Denver. We, we, I, as far as I can tell, we love the web, but we love it for us to be able to get out and do what, the things that we love anyway. So That's actually a question. I mean, so yeah, so clearly people, people would rather like go and just see like, how much fucking snow is on the mountain than go to, say, like the Denver Post or Westward or any of the like, main like, newscaster websites. I, That's, mean, what is, I was sort of like, surprised yeah. by that, too, so, but I mean, yes. So, so, so essentially, like, are the main, are the old-fashioned media websites kind of dropping the ball here? Well, that, okay, that's, that's another major point to, to make here, is that I think when the Rocky Mountain, uh, when Rocky Mountain News tried their, their, their bold new media experiment and it fucking flopped, it just tanked and didn't do well, that ever since then, traditional media in Denver has been bitter and angry at the web. They're afraid of new media, and they don't want to play with it. And so they just deal with it as they have to. 9news.com has their website, but really they'd rather you sit down and watch the TV. And Denver Post, they would really rather you read the newspaper, because if you go to their website, really all they want you to do is to stare at ads that keep popping up every time you try to read a news story. So I, I think the fact that those those things that would be promoting culture in Denver are failing to spread the web around. I think we do have a vibrant web culture. We've got these awesome companies. Uh, you know, Google and IBM are nearby. We've got Xilinx and Sun Microsystems and all these other companies. We've got some amazing... We have one of the biggest tech scenes in the fucking country. Huge tech scenes. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about that men's health... We talked about this before the podcast, that men's health ranks Denver as the number three most best connected uh, cities in the country. But wouldn't that be an argument on the other side, that we actually have a good web scene? The fact that we do have people who are No, it doesn't necessarily mean... Maybe the difference there is the difference between a web culture and a web community. Because if you're using things like our media to represent our community, that's not necessarily what the people are saying. Like, this study shows that, you know, we have more Facebook users, more Twitter users, more LinkedIn profiles. Um, But just because our media falls short of that doesn't mean that we're not participating on the web. Like, we still have a really good web community, but we just don't necessarily need to leave it to our media outlets to represent us. So is that a better thing? Is that a better thing that it's almost more grassroots? It's not these big official names saying this is what our web community is going to be? Maybe our web culture is so awesome that we can't find it. It's (laughs) so (laughs) far underground. It's so, actually, it's sort of, it's it's underground. It's hiding out at Forest Room 5. We're all here. This is it. We're we're it. We're the future. Everyone here. Raise a glass. I mean, yeah, it's tricky. I I also think because we have, we have an amazing, we have a, a big tech community, everybody does the web from 9 to 5, and then they go home, and they don't want to fuck with the web anymore. They're done. They're tired at the end of the day, and they don't want to be on the internet. They've, they've spent their 10 hours staring they at the screen. They want to go snowshoeing. They want to go snowshoeing, and they want to go get drunk and ride on a bicycle. Okay, last quick question, <laughs> and then we're going to head out to go do some non-web stuff. Um, <laughs> if you guys could change one thing, if you guys could add one website or one element to the local web scene, what would it be? That is not fair. I was not prepared with this question. Neither was I. <laughs> uh, I'd say I, I feel like there's no real good neighborhood blogs. Um, I, there, there's enough Denver blogs. There's enough food blogs and sports blogs. But w- when I want to get into my real community and narrow it down to 
say City Park or Capitol Hill, I, I feel like there's nothing there for me. I think I would force all of my Uber backcountry skiing or Bohemian artist friends to get their asses on Facebook so I could talk to them and then they would bring a little culture to the web and I could have fun, uh, more fun than I do now, dealing with people from high school that I don't really remember. Very good. <laughs> Thanks guys. Thanks Erica and Ron. Yeah. Hey, thanks. That was uh, Joel Warner, Erica Grossman, and Ron Doyle. And it was a, uh, uh, I guess it was about exactly a year ago that we decided to start up Denver's number one secret podcast. <laughs> um, and, you know, the main purpose of it was that, you know, along the lines of, of the conversation ju that just took place, we thought that Denver deserve to at least have some kind of podcast because part of it is that you do go to other cities that are, you know, well, lamer than Denver and they will ha have many more podcasts and uh, not another Broncos podcast or Nuggets podcast, but one uh, that uh, we could relate to that where we sit around and bitch about culture and politics. And of course, one of our main features was the love and hate at the end, which was kind of just an easy way for us to get... Uh, you know, whatever random thoughts off of our chest, ranging from, you know, big uh, highfalutin political ideas to the most piddling, uh, lame complaints that, that you can imagine. But people really like that. And uh, this brings us to our final segment of the evening where we're going to give anyone here a chance to get up and uh, give their soapbox. So, folks, whatever you want to love on or whatever you want to hate on, about life in the Mile High City. Hi, I'm Marisol Medina, and the first thing that I love about Denver is the fact that nobody within probably about five miles has my name, so I'm really exotic here. That's really exciting. Um, <laughs> and number two, it's so pretty. I'm from out of town, so this is so beautiful, and you guys don't even know how pretty it is. And, um, and when I came out here, one of the things that I totally love is that there are no calories shown at fast food places. So I love that I can eat some of the worst food ever and not feel bad about it out here. So thank you, Denver. Um, also, I saw a few boobs on a stick out here, and they were cross-eyed. So I love that even your Botoxed women are really down to earth. I love that there are no sidewalks. So when I'm running, you know, I can play who's tougher, runner or car. Um, and then I love also, then I asked, where should I run? And I was told, oh, you can just run through the elementary school to get to the trail. So I love that I can run through elementary schools out here in Denver and not be considered a pervert. It's lovely. Um, uh, I'll let all my perverted friends know. Uh, let's see. <laughs> and then the best part that you guys don't realize about living out here in Denver is the fact that no one outside of Denver knows it's cool. Therefore, you know you're cool. Thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you. That set a new record for the undermining love. The, the love that's a non-love. I, I love those. Anybody else? Open mic. Okay, Melina. I have a rant about Boulder. I do not enjoy, I've never been a dog owner in my life until about four years ago. Until I, uh, my stepdog, an enjoyable, lovable Sheltie, and now, and now I, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker. However, I really hate the fact that it is so stigma to to buy a dog. You have to rescue a shelter dog. 
I really don't appreciate that, that I have been cut off or in a conversation about, oh, wait, where'd you get that dog? Versus, well, I have a dog with three tails and two legs, and it's just fine. And why would you pay for a dog when there are so many dogs out there that need homes? And it's almost like embarrassing to say that you have a pure breed. And I'm sorry, you want a dog. You want you, you you caters to your lifestyle. You want, you know, it doesn't bark, doesn't shed, whatever. It's your pet. You want it to make sense. And I don't like that it is not okay to say I purchased a dog or I pre-selected a dog because I should just go re rescue some mutt from an alley and I'm a hero. That's about all I have to say. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Very, very worth while hate anybody else my name's Tavy. um this place is very cavernous as i just found out walking over here my hate has a little bit more to do with um, i don't think i'm catering to the right audience with this but is everyone familiar with the squire lounge yes okay go back a year ago to the squire lounge which is when i first started going there and there were crack whores and there were homeless people everywhere But it added to... Save your love until it's your it turn. Added to, <laughs> it made it very colorful. And, it, and you took people there to go see if they could hang with you. I took my boyfriend there on our first date. Because uh, <laughs> he's from Fort Collins and he has no idea. <laughs> and um, now three months ago, all of a sudden, there's a bouncer at the door. A bouncer who does not let in the homeless people or the prostitutes or the pimps or the crack whores or whoever is there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and so it's not quite as fun to go there because on the open comedy or the open mic comedy nights, if you go every week, you know, you hear the comedians say the same sort of things because they're practicing their jokes. And so the fun are the people they interact with. Those people aren't there anymore. And so now you just go to Streets of London for their $2 Ucalas instead of going to the Squire Lounge for their $1.50 PBRs. And so it's just not fun anymore. So that's my hate. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Tavy. Uh, we have time for a few more, I think. I love that the Denver Diatribe now has an actual studio and not our office to do their uh, podcast from. <laughs> I'm Jared's wife. Okay. Okay, I see Rick Widener coming up. Hi. Well, uh, my, my world is, is really, really limited in uh, what I like. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I love Colorado because I'm a skateboarder. And uh, the skateboarding scene in Denver and the front range of Colorado is off the hook. It's got to be the best in the nation because we have a million skate parks we have dozens of backyard systems going on. And um, it's sunny 300 days a year, so you could skate all the time. And uh, everybody's friendly, unlike Southern California, where it's a big shit show of... <laughs> no, it's not okay there for skateboarding. Because everybody's out to prove something, and if you're not part of the cool crowd, you're not in. But here in, in Colorado, everybody is welcoming and friendly. So uh, it's great for skateboarding here in Colorado. Um, but it's flat. 
That's what sucks. That's what I hate. It's flat. All right. Great. Thanks, Rick. I love this. This is like karaoke for the most base level of human emotion. He's like, I want to love. So you get up and everyone cheers for you. This is, this is amazing. Where else? Where else but the Denver diatribe can you express such things? And so unless anyone else has something spontaneous they want to throw out, we might just close up then. Okay, well, thank you everyone uh, for attending and thank uh, everyone who has been listening to us for these last 50 episodes. You can find us uh, on our at DenverDiatribe.com. From there you can get to our Facebook page and our Twitter page. I'm Jerry King Mayor and for everyone involved with the Denver Diatribe, we are out. That's why I'm saying Oh, Queen City